This is TRO Signal. I'm Linda Philippi in McMinnville, Oregon, heart of the Oregon wine country. And my guests today are from Project Expedition, a platform where travel advisors can book tours and excursions in destinations around the world. So we have Rob Keane, co-founder, and Jeremy Clement, co-founder. Hello, everyone. My name's Rob. I am, I guess, one half of the co-founding side. And over to you, Jeremy. <laughs> nice to meet you, everybody. Thanks for hosting us today, Linda. Yeah, I'm really glad that you could be here. So I, I guess I wanted to start out with, I know that you both were at Bloomberg in London and in Tokyo and New York and all different kinds of places. Well, I was asking Rob if that was Bloomberg Travel, and he said, no, no, that was financial services. So I would love for you to tell the story of how you went from you know, financial services guys to fabulous tour operators. It's funny when, when I give that kind of answer uh, to like travel advisors when we're kind of setting them up, there's sometimes a bit of a, kind of, oh, really? Oh, and that's a, that's a bit of a change. It surprises people. But then I guess where it really does resonate is that we followed a path into something we're passionate about. And I think especially with kind of our clients, our travel advisor partners, um, they've done a similar story, kind of a, a shift or a pivot from a career or just really focused from the beginning on something they were passionate about. Mm -hmm. And that's really what I think happened with us with Project Expedition. We wanted to get into the travel industry and we also wanted to start a business. We wanted to kind of be entrepreneurs. We had that drive. Both our first jobs were at Bloomberg when we graduated. That's a university, college, to learn the lingo. Um, and we became really good friends at Bloomberg and we started talking about kind of businesses and ideas and we tried a couple of things that were not in travel and ultimately when sort of Project Expedition kind of came about, we thought that was worth kind of taking the leap and jumping from finance into travel. And that was, was late 2014, beginning of 2015, Jeremy. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We actually, um, Rob and I actually met in India of all places. I was working outside of New York City and Rob was in London and Bloomberg sent both of us um, as kind of new employees over to India for a project. So Rob and I actually were working together on that project. And uh, it, was, it was funny that that was kind of like the first place we met. It was a little bit almost kind of uh, forward looking into our future of, of working together and travel was just kind of meeting in, in a corner of the world in, in Mumbai. But so yeah, I mean, one of, one of the things we were, we were really interested in doing was solving a problem in an area um, that we were really passionate about. So travels is something that Rob and I are both immensely passionate about on a personal level. Um, and I think it's one of the things that really translates in our into our success today is just understanding really kind of like what goes into a great trip, what makes a great trip, having really high expectations for ourselves, which is the kind of expectation we have for our clients. So if something doesn't really live up to our clients' expectations, it's something that we ourselves can understand, you know, any kind of disappointment or frustration with. So we make every effort to kind of just provide the highest level of quality and reliability for, for as if we were taking the trip ourselves. And that that's kind of really kind of translated into a, a successful uh, product and service for travel advisors. So you really do work exclusively then with travel advisors? It's pretty much that. I mean, it's close. It's over 95%. Okay. Um, and we we do allow advisors to have their clients book direct with us, which I mean, still gets the same kind of great benefits and terms and whatnot in that agents will earn commissions, even when their clients book direct. If they book today, next week, next month. We, when we started the business, we, I mean, we had lots of, I guess, revenue ideas of how we could sell tours and activities. And we decided mm -hmm. to start with travel advisors. We actually had a couple of travel advisors that found us. 
So when I say it was our idea, it probably really wasn't. We <laughs> they kind of lent a hand and found us. And and what we found was really interesting was that we could build a relationship with our clients where they could kind of keep coming back, look for more tours, kind of tell us what tours we need, but more importantly, tell us what we were doing right and wrong. And then from there, we could improve and kind of get a better product, improve the service and go kind of on from there. And then kind of, I mean, fast forward to today. I mean, it's, as I say, it's, it's over 95% bookings through travel advisors or travel advisor clients. I mean, don't, I wouldn't necessarily say that was the plan from day one. It's just become that. Um, and we kind of struggle to keep up, to be completely honest. We haven't been able to look into other revenue strategies, I guess, it's up till March this year. Um, and things have changed a bit, as I'm sure we'll get into. But yeah, that's our business is kind of B2B through travel advisors. And we absolutely love that. Okay, let me ask you then, when you said that you wanted to solve a problem, what was the problem that you saw that you needed, that, that you could bring a fix to that nobody else in the industry was doing? Yes, I mean, it's, it's interesting, because um, the problem actually kind of evolved in, in our perception of it over time. So um, initially, it was just kind of a lot of just the fragmentation nature of the tours and activity space. So, um, you know, rewind, you know, six or seven years ago, and it, it, it's not as as aggregated as it is now. But basically, just, you know, tens of thousands of tour operators around the world, um, a lot of which couldn't take payments, didn't have very much transparency, reliability was always a concern. And just trying to have it kind, kind of having to repeat that that process of vetting and verifying and researching um, before every trip. Um, so that was kind of like really what us, what got us interested. Um, but as we started kind of working to solve that problem, what we really realized was that, you know, there were some other sites out there. A lot of the advisors we work with used to book with Viator um, and, and other um, providers out there. Um, but what we found was really missing specifically for advisors, as Rob mentions, once, once we started uh, engaging with them and, and really kind of marketing towards them, was there wasn't really a, a service that put advisors at kind of the center of their focus and strategy. Advisors are often treated as kind of like a, a revenue vertical or channel of a, of a bigger business, which is more focused on direct to consumer. So we really just kind of built everything from the ground up around completely focused on service, quality, reliability. Um, we have incredibly high standards for the tour operators that we work with um, on our site. And so it's kind of like initially it was like, oh, let's bring all of this stuff into one place. And then it became really not so much about that as much as let's be really selective with who we work with. Let's have incredibly great service. Let's uh, make sure everybody who works on our customer support teams in our New York City office and not overseas and things like that. So how how was it in terms of um, deciding where you wanted to start, which markets you wanted to begin in, and then creating a team? Because I would imagine then that you had to go and actually vet every tour operator and excursion provider yourselves, or somebody on your team had to do it. How long did that all take to kind of get things up and running? Yeah, great question. It was, I would say it's a very slow start. I mean, if we look at what we kind of achieved in, in year one compared to what we've achieved in like the a prior 12 months, it's remarkable, almost night and day, the speed at which we're moving. Year one for us, we uh, we really just focused on the supply side of things. We wanted to get the product up and running. And for that, that meant finding local operators, getting them onto our platform, and then going out and trying to sell them to advisors. So year one was really building that supply. Uh, we decided to focus in the Central America region. Um, okay. Uh, Costa Rica, Belize, Panama were our first three. We kind of initially picked them because we felt it was kind of a little bit sort of underpenetrated from a competitor point of view. And uh, we felt that could be a good place to start to kind of build up our product and then say we've got something that's a little bit different. 
And we felt that could kind of get us moving from there. And we did um, exactly as you just said. We went down there. Jeremy went down to Costa Rica. <laughs> I went down to Belize. And it was kind of we a... We went to Panama trip. together. Yeah, we moved to Panama together, didn't we? Um, yeah, and it was... I mean, we learned a lot. It was, I mean, a lot of kind of business meetings and meeting these operators, but we also got to try the stuff out too, which was sure. great. Sure. Well, there's yeah. A, a... Yeah. If you don't, if you don't do the zip line, how will you know if it's a good zip line, right? You got it. You got it. <laughs> and there's a, there's a great picture of Jeremy and I kayaking in the Panama Canal. It was just oh. uh, one of the highlights of that trip. Um, they let you do huge, that? Huge tanker behind us. <laughs> they keep you a little bit to the side. You're not in the, like the shipping lane per se, but it's, <laughs> It's enough to be your kayak in a tanker. <laughs> so I uh, had no a, idea a that you could kayak in the pa- Panama Canal. That's really incredible. Nor did I. Yeah. <laughs> wow. We still sell that to her, actually. I years, bet you years do. Years later. Yeah. yeah. So then obviously you moved from, branched out from Central America to other places around the world because I did note in your LinkedIn article that you said, unsurprisingly, that Italy was your top selling destination. So, yeah. I mean, that's, we, we, uh, we, it was a slow, it was a slow trek from Panama to Italy, but uh, a lot <laughs> that's of it a, started That's a with, long kayak ride, friend. Kayak, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot, a lot of paddling. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, to be honest, by the time we started selling Italy, we probably could have paddled from Panama <laughs> to Italy. It, it, yeah. I mean, it re- really started with kind of how, how we got traction with advisors was we, you know, we, we provided a good service to the advisors who kind of discovered us and then they came back and they were like, Hey, I, you know, I, I, my clients love the trip you put together in Costa Rica. Um, they're going to, you know, I've got other clients going to Jamaica. Do you have anything there? And it was like, no, we don't. And, um, but we'll change that. Like if you'll wait a <laughs> month, we will put all of our focus on expanding into Jamaica or, or some other Caribbean island. So it, it really kind of, it started growing very rapidly based on requests like that. So we did, you know, put a lot of strategy in place around, you know, when we launched new destinations and, and, and having a kind of a critical mass within the Caribbean, you can't just sell one island in the Caribbean and that sort of thing. Um, right. But of course it wasn't before long that, you know, we had return repeat advisors booking with us. Uh, obviously that all, you know, all roads led to, towards Europe and Western Europe specifically, I think, in our article, we mentioned three of our top 10 cities in 2019 were in Italy alone. Right. So, yeah. It was kind wow. of a scramble, I'd say, the first couple of years. So, like we, we had that Central American base and then we would go out and try and find some advisors. And, and, and as Jeremy said, some would come back and ask for more. And it, I mean, it, even now it sometimes feels like we're catching up. But back then it was just a constant scramble of clients were coming in and saying kind of, I'd like to book this for you, or I've heard you did amazing zip lining tours in, in Costa Rica. Can you get me that in the DR or Cancun or somewhere? And it was, I mean, from a small business point of view, like you kind of feel like the hard bits finding a customer. And we were in this situation where we had the customer, they had a credit card, they wanted to book their clients with us. And we're like, oh, we don't have the zip line tour. Um, and it was, but it was like, that's how quickly can we move? And we'll be on the phone to these zipline operators. Like, we'll try and find the best ones from like reviews online, or maybe the advisors booked somewhere else before, and that will help us find someone. And it was kind of like, can we can we find you, get a, a contract with you, get your your product live to sell you to that agent that kind of called us a few days ago and try and close that sale? Um, it was it was a weird situation to kind of have some customers and you couldn't service them. It was it was a real scramble in the first couple of years. And you know, too, it's one of those things. It's like you say, once once you get that sort of critical mass, it just kind of explodes because it's all networking. You know, so and so knows so so. Oh, my brother's got the zip line, and you know, I mean, and then if you trust one person, then you could probably trust the person that you're turning them on, you know, onto or whatever. So I feel like that's a a, a great way 
to grow. And that's probably the way that you did it. So uh, everything was going along swimmingly, right? (laughs) Couldn't be better. Same thing for, I think, you know what, most travel advisors that I've been speaking with all year, it's the same. We were all having like potentially the best year ever. It was Mm. mind boggling. Like by February, wow, this is going to be really an incredible year. And then... 2020. <laughs> so when when did you first get the inkling that uh, it was about to hit the fan? It was um, so in terms of like our roles, I, I, I look after a customer experience side of things. So handling mm-hmm. all of the um, support tickets, quotes and booking a lot of the booking questions and that sort of thing. And um, we started to see quite a bit of um, cancellations come through for uh, Italy in, in February. Um, and, it you know, obviously we were reading the news every day and um, we knew what was going on in Wuhan, and, and when it spread to Italy, it, it seemed somewhat confined. We we were trying to be optimistic. We weren't really sure. Um, I don't think anybody kind of projected what it would ultimately turn into. But the the cancellations were pretty pretty um, siloed just to just to Italy. We didn't see much change in behavior of travelers going elsewhere in Europe. And um, so that that kind of like we were just kind of feeding on the optimism of others, I guess, by seeing kind of what all of our travelers were doing. And then, of course, it really, um, I think it was March 11th or 12th uh, in the presidential address that kind of, you know, changed how, how travel would work and flights would work from Europe. That The following day was just a waterfall of, of cancellations. And, and just the way that we, we function is we just hold, you know, we, we kind of hold all, all client money in, in a separate account that's just you know, sitting there. So we basically had this, you know, tons and tons and tons of, of, of cancellations coming in and everything was just getting instantly refunded. I think we were we, everybody was just doing nothing but, but cancellations and refunds. Um, and it was pretty overwhelming, but kind of one of the, the things that we were pretty happy about was just like our processes in place. We, we were able to, I think we issued almost every re- refund within 24 to 48 hours throughout the wow. whole pandemic. And it, it's become clear since then in the months, you know, obviously that, that kind of rolled on afterwards that, you know, a lot of other travel companies handled things differently and ran into a lot of problems. Um, so actually one of our, our, kind of, you know, overarching themes since then for us has been just kind of how well we handled those early days. And, you know, we're, so we're very, very kind of just happy and pleased with how things have played out, all things considered, we, we would obviously appreciate <laughs> fewer cancellations. But yeah, I think it was, uh, it was a surprise to everybody. But, um, you know, we kind of just got gathered together as quickly as possible, just triage, treat, but, you know, treat all of our clients as, as um, needs as quickly and attentive, attentively as possible. Um, and then from there, it was kind of like when we rolled into the, you know, I guess the, the eye of the storm, I guess it was kind of things calmed down a bit. And Rob can tell you a little bit more about how we, you know, kind of strategically gathered from there to kind of figure out what, what was next. Okay, Rob is going to tell us that after I say one thing, and this is your company is stellar and you and, and have a great reputation because of the way that you handled those early, you know, days first couple of months, whatever, of the, the pandemic situation, because there's some really, I mean, long established companies that really, really, really fell down in terms of being able to handle, you know, the inevitable cancellation, refund, whatever you want to call it, and making people wait and wait and wait. And of course, when the advisor has to go back to their client and say, gosh, you know, I got the request in, gosh, it's going to be, I don't know, six weeks, 90 days, whatever it's going to be. 
then the client says, well, you know, I booked with a travel advisor because, you know, it's supposed to be so much better than, well, nobody was expecting the volume for one thing. I mean, we didn't expect millions and millions and millions of worldwide cancellations virtually overnight. But at the same time, you know, companies that really stood out with the way that they were able to handle that, I I think you have our heart, I would say, you know, you have the hearts of travel advisors everywhere, because, well, number one, you make us look good. And then also too, you know, it's, it's, it is, it's a trust factor, you know, and, and I think that's a really important thing. So yeah. Rob, let's talk about then the pivot, the, uh, oh, the God, pivot, now, oh, oh God, yeah. now what, now what, now here we are, <laughs> yeah. what do we do? How do we, I mean, how do we yeah, deal I, with I, this? I, I'm trying to remember how long we took catching our breath after those refunds and those cancellations. I mean, uh, we, we, we have all these metrics and dashboards of like how many requests and things were coming in. It, we, were, we were having record-breaking volume of tickets, but they're all cancellations and refunds. And that's all we really did. I mean, it's, it was, I think one of the sort of internal jokes at the time was like the, the enhancements or technology upgrades we've done have all around like efficiency to issue refunds. It was like, it's like this is the stuff we do now. Like we, we spend money on upgrading ways to give money away. It's, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And it's... Uh, one of the, I mean, as you were just saying, it's, it's, it's amazing to hear that, that feedback from advisors. It kind of means the world to us. And it's just something that kind of gives hope as we kind of do look ahead and we know things will turn. But it's just nice and comforting to hear that. But it's, it's an odd because, I mean, that, the whole refund policy and how Jeremy was talking about separating the, the client money. I mean, that's a decision that was made on day one of the business. I mean, it's, and it's in many ways, no one really cared. No one really knew. And now, it, now it's something that kind of it will come up in conversations and it, it's even in the sort of introductory webinar now for the company it's it's it is a topic and it's one of those things advisors should probably be asking every new supplier like what's the financial model of the the payment flow and things right, like that exactly. it's, it's, it's now just as important as how do you vet your suppliers and those kind of things absolutely so yeah so once we sort of stopped kind of upgrading ways to issue refunds we, we got onto like well what do we want to do like we want we, we're going to get through this things will come back but we know that but what we don't know is when and that was really really hard because it's like you can you can make a plan for something you know but if you don't know how do you make a plan so we kind of thought well what's the worst case scenario and back in kind of june i think june was a checkpoint for a lot of people that was like this is a free month thing that's when like the the federal money was kind of aimed at as well so once we got to june it's like, okay so it's longer than we first thought how long, how bad could it be so we kind of decided then that let's not expect anything for the rest of the year. Let's, let's go all the way till 2021. And, mm-hmm, and back in mm-hmm. June, that felt a long, long way away. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right? Now look oh at my it, gosh. 10 days away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, we're like, oh no, the virus will respect January the 1st. <laughs> Do something then. So we, we were like, well, um, what's, what's the world going to kind of look like then? Uh, what are people going to be doing? And uh, the one thing that we felt fairly sure about was domestic travel. So we felt let's really put a bit more focus onto U.S. destinations. And we were already selling a lot of U.S., particularly kind of Alaska and Hawaii, and some of okay. the sort of East West Coast cities. But we were missing a lot of national parks and some kind of outdoorsy locations, particularly in the southeast. So we felt that's that's a good place to kind of focus. And if we were working on bringing on more product in, let's say, sort of less popular parts of Italy, well, we'll put that on the back burner for now. Um, we'll kind of go after domestic. And that that strategy sort of started to see. A, a bit of a return I really want to be careful when I say positive news because it wasn't all that positive but we did see sort of bookings happen kind of in the U.S. as I think everyone knows there was travel into certain locations particularly the national parks so that that did definitely bring in a few bookings and and honestly everything was just a nice bonus that happened over the summer because we were working on the model of expecting next to nothing so 
from there, everything is kind of quite nice. And then kind of looking further ahead, we actually decided to um, kind of continue investing in shore excursions, kind of the product aimed at cruise passengers. And obviously the cruise industry has had it kind of really, really tough this mm -hmm. year and will probably be kind of on the later part of uh, rebounding next year. But we still felt there was an opportunity there. Like we, we've been selling shore excursions to cruisers. It's obviously a little bit different to a typical day tour because of how kind of pickups at ports have to work and back to ship mm -hmm. guarantees and things. So we'd, we've been kind of offering these terms and these kind of well, enhanced terms, I should say. But we felt like let's really get that product to where it needs to be. So we decided that would be our long term play. And we kind of started that in June as well. And uh, we were kind of getting to a point where we get a really kind of great product offering now with over 3000 excursions around the world. Wow. Um, but we kind of know internally that no one's really gonna gonna care for a while, and that's absolutely fine. But we think there's a good opportunity kind of in the later half of next year, and we kind of wanted to keep our eye on the longer term. The same way we kept on the short term with the domestic side. So that was kind of our, our June uh, plan, if you will, of this year. You know, I think it's it's really true that one of the things that this year has given us, I mean, once you get all the money refunded and no new bookings are coming in, it's like, all right, well, how, where do we want this to go? How do we think this is going to look like, you know, what is it going to look like? And as the industry does rebound, and I think you're right about cruising, but, you know, by 22, 23, it should be really, really strong again. And then you're going to be perfectly positioned. So I think that was, you know, that, that was a, a great idea. I, I pulled out a couple of the quotes that I, that I got. Um, and it's like, one of the things you said about, um, you know, the cost cutting things that you did, but as the co-founders, we prioritized transparency within our team. And I really like that. I wanted you to talk a little bit about your company's culture and, you know, and how you've been able to like maintain that with everyone working remotely. And then you mentioned, you know, okay, in the small New York apartments and people feel start to feel a little isolated or whatever. So you want to talk about that aspect a bit? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was obviously kind of a new, a new experience for everybody. I think every, every company and or family or person individually kind of went through their own own journey of, of figuring out the new normal as um, kind of the world has coined that term. Um, <laughs> right. But for us, it was just really kind of like, you know, we, you know, as Rob mentioned, from a business perspective, we knew, you know, no sales were coming in. Um, we really kind of, you know, strategically tried to take advantage of the time to focus on new products, prepare for the long term rather than investing in the short term. So a lot of our competitors were doing virtual tours and that sort of thing. So we, we kind of made a conscious decision not to do that. But the opportunity to kind of really prepare for the long term was a great opportunity to get our team kind of like engaged in new things, move them out of their normal role. We were very fortunate to be in a position where we didn't have to make any layoffs. Even still in December, we haven't laid anybody off on our team due to the pandemic. So, you know, everybody's been working reduced hours and has made sacrifices. So it's it's certainly by no means a, just a kind of a uh, a, a nice peaches, peaches and cream scenario, but everybody's worked really hard, made a lot of sacrifices to keep the team together. And really kind of for us, it was just like about just being transparent about our expectations, what our, our goals were, which was to, you know, collectively make sacrifices individually so that we could keep everybody together, having more one-on-one -on -one times, uh, Zoom calls, team meetings, um, you know, as I think Rob may have mentioned, just even if there wasn't even an agenda, like, you know, we just, just, just talk, catch up um, check in how you doing what's going what's in your yeah. coffee is it cream or is it bailey's right I, yeah, <laughs> get a little bit of banter going um, yeah for sure yeah so it was, it was good it was um and to be to be honest in a lot of ways it was just also just kind of like really refreshing like it was you know using your brain to solve new problems uh and 
for developing new products and things that Rob and I actually probably hadn't done a whole lot of, you know, for a few years, even just because we like our growth, you know, growing a company that or scaling a company rather kind of is just so resource intensive and, and just continuing to provide the same level of service at a, at a greater and greater scale. So it was almost just kind of like somewhat like mildly refreshing just to like take a step back and and just like not have anything else to worry about other than just like new ideas and how are we going to solve a new problem? And, uh, it's almost a little bit more entrepreneurial in, in that respect and be able to pull our team into that. So we, you know, we gave individuals on our team like individual projects and responsibilities that were like kind of completely outside of their, their normal normal world core responsibility. So especially in the customer support side, I think um, customer support people were doing product development and business development, you know, which was, which was cool. You know, there's a, I think that's great because most companies can't say that. And, you know, I'm here in Oregon on the West coast and I know that an awful lot of our, you know, business development managers and things like that got laid off, let go. Some of them had to go find, you know, new industries to, to go into or just, you know, well, I knew retirement was within the next few years. Guess it's now. So I really uh, commend you and applaud you for being able to hold your team together. That's an incredible thing. I mean, it's like, it's it's, it's kind of like it warms your heart, you know, that that, that was a priority <laughs> for you. It, it is, it, that that was one of your priorities that you feel so strongly about your team that it's like, yeah, well, we might all have to take a pay cut and, you know, we might have to supplement and now, so were you able to, to take advantage of some of the loan programs and things like that, the government loan programs? And We, we were, fortunately, and uh, we, we did quite a lot of research into pretty much every different angle. And when the mm-hmm. CARES Act came out, it was looking at what are the various options even in there. I mean, because there, sure. there was various things from tax credits through to the, the PPP loan that most people know about, even into kind of shared partial work unemployment schemes with the city, state uh, and the federal level. So we... We actually spent a fair bit of time really researching what's available and to be completely honest, looking for kind of as much as possible that made sense and really for us making sense as well. Is it is it grant based, loan based? What are the interest rates on that? What's the long term impact on the business? Well, um, and that's where your financial background comes in because you can did help. <laughs> you can hone right through all the yeah, 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 yeah. And you could say, hey, that's a yes or that's a no. And I like that. So I'm guessing that you are not going to be the people uh, popped for buying Lamborghinis and things like that, like some of those other people were, right? Did you hear about that? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I definitely heard yeah. about that. With some yeah. of those PPP loans, yeah. yeah. No, or or the, the, guy, the guy that bought the yacht. I mean, like, that's not obvious. Yeah, we, it's funny, actually, how PPP was calculated. It was based off of, like, an average average payroll for previous 12 months from, like, the previous or the end of the previous year, I think. And we had, we had grown so much, like most of the, we had, we had hired so many people more recently that our, our annual average was much lower than our actual costs. So, so PPP for us didn't stretch very far at all. So, so we couldn't have even, even afforded a a fiat, uh, (laughs) if if that was, if we were to go that way, basically it was just, you know, for us, we had a kind of a challenge of most of our, you know, a lot we had brought on, uh, you know, uh, several employees, um, much more recently. And, um, and so their average salaries didn't really calculate in our favor for the PPP calculation. Like our loan was much smaller than our actual mm-hmm. liabilities. So we had to get a, a bit more creative. I mean, uh, we, we did benefit from being a smaller company, being more lean, everybody having the ability to just immediately go home and work from home. And, right. um, and we, you know, make cuts as quickly as possible. But yeah, I mean, Rob, Rob was, you know, did, 
did a great job just figuring out just how we could leverage like government schemes. And New York has some great opportunities, you know, programs that came out and things were just kind of like, I think just getting figured out on a, on a government level, just rolling out. So we were just staying in tune with, you know, every new opportunity that kind of came along and assessing whether it was something that we could benefit from. That's great. Okay. And so then at some point you decided that you wanted to do more with client engagement. And that's it. That's interesting. That's interesting to me because I think from the very beginning, you know, and probably just for no other reason than try to keep people working, you know, those relentless Zooms and webinars started coming and sometimes they're like six a day, like, (laughs) you you know, three from 10 to 11, you can only do so much. And Zoom burnout, as you both know, is a very real thing. So what was, what was the, your thought process behind, okay, it's, it's time, it's time to, I mean, Honestly, this was, in my opinion, one one of the missteps actually uh, that led us to actually more engagement. We, um, I mean, we were we talked about the transparency with the team and just really just trying to get everyone to kind of understand well what are the decisions Jeremy and I are having to make, kind of as the leaders of the company, so that everyone could kind of be on the same page internally of what we're doing and most importantly why we're doing it, and then at that point help kind of all move together as one and help get us get us out of it. But we didn't really do the same on the client side, to be completely honest. Um, the clients that were working with us in March, April, May were like, wow, I've got a quick refund. But there was no message that came from the company at more strategic or high level. And it was, I mean, honestly, it, it was a bit, we weren't really sure what the message should be. Um, we were getting emails from lots of suppliers sort of saying, we're still good. Or some would be saying there's no COVID here and things. And we were like, that's not the message we want to be sending. We need to be a bit more real about this. Like internally, like we are, we're bracing for the worst. We're bracing for 2021. So we we didn't really say much to our clients. And it was only when we started getting some sort of incoming emails and kind of clients reaching out saying, are you guys okay? Is the business still going? (laughs) And we're like, oops, that's a fair question. I mean, we haven't sent an email in three months. Like, yeah. The ones that cancel stuff with us know that we were on it back then. But I mean, the world's changing every day. So yeah, we kind of realized we needed to put a bit more of a strategy around that. So we kind of, uh, we did send out kind of a sort of a, a global message and it, we just kept it very simple. We just really said, thank you. Uh, that was really all we, we, we felt we, we could say at that point. We have been blown away by the feedback we were getting from clients, mm. whether little notes they were sending us or a Facebook message or an email or the end of a cancellation support ticket where they were like, wow, that was quick. Like we were sharing all that stuff in a group chat with the team and it was kind of helping us. Like if we'd spent all day doing work we don't really want to be doing and you get these kind messages, it really does go a long way. And uh, sure. for the advisors that are listening to this, just that odd little message or one line note, it, it really was kind of making a difference. So when it came to kind of getting our message out, it was like we didn't want to kind of give a, here's a big email of strength and like things are going to be amazing and all that. We avoided that because the reality is it, it wasn't. It was tough. We had some cool things cooking, but we weren't really in a spot to announce that. But what we were comfortable saying is that, wow, thank you so much. We're here for you. We're with you. And we're going to keep working through this because that's kind of the only thing we knew. And we were determined to kind of power through the year as best we can. But beyond saying like things are going to be great in September or October, we we were not there at all. And we wanted to be real. So, yeah, that kind of led us to the, the client engagement. And from there, we did start doing some webinars. Um, we weren't really being pushy with that. We had some agency owners and admins and some host agencies kind of reach out for like a setting up sessions. So we were definitely running a lot of webinars. But I think, I mean, my view at least was if, if you're an agent sitting on 
more than a couple of webinars a day, what's another one really going to do for you? And I kind of, I kind of enjoyed the smaller ones. Like if just a one-on-one with an agent for 10 to 15 minutes, I mean, yeah. that's gold. That's great. We can get to know each other. They can learn, definitely learn something as opposed to big webinars. And yeah, it was, yeah, wasn't really convinced there was a huge value out there. You know, what's interesting to me is, okay, and this is, I guess, how old I am, but how the world has changed in this regard. Now think of this, back in the olden days, when people walked into a travel agency to book a trip, you weren't getting emails, you know, five times a week. You weren't getting inundated with messages, social media messages all the time. It was like, oh, you know what? I want to go to Hawaii. I'm going to, you know, go around the corner, go down to the travel agency and book a trip. I mean, you knew they were there. They didn't have to do a big, you know, make a big fuss. I mean, they put something in, you know, the the, the newspaper or they'd sponsor with, the, you know, the high school sports team or something. And now the model is just push, 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 push. But people are so inundated. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I'm sure you get as, you know, the 600 to 800 emails a day like I do. And, and you think there's absolutely no way the human brain can process all of this. And at some point it just becomes, it's not even white noise. It's just noise. And then you find yourself clicking red all, red all, read all. And there might've been something in there that you really could have used, but there's just so much information overload that you, it's difficult. So I think that that was probably a really, you know, actually probably a really good strategy on your part. Thank you. Hopefully it's, uh, I guess it's like so much of this year, the work we're done, we'll find out kind of next year or the year after if it was right or wrong. Um, Exactly. Just kind of, you take your best, best guess almost to this point and see what happens. So, so then I, um, I also uh, read in your article that you wrote about, you know, getting excited about, uh, obviously, news of the vaccine, which I think we all are, and hopefully enough people will get it that makes it efficacious. But then tell me a little bit about the, the Travel Advisor Choice Awards. Tell me about that. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, Travel Advisor Choice Awards was uh, an idea of uh, one of the guys on our team, which was just really kind of fantastic. And him and Rob actually initially kind of spearheaded explore you know the exploratory committee if you will of how that could work and and um, and it really just it turned into a, a great opportunity to get everybody in our team involved uh, in a cool project to really honor advisors um, I think all of us saw firsthand how much travel advisors really suffered through the pandemic I mean obviously the industry at, at a whole suffered but um, advisors you know were giving, you know, they, most of them make most of their money on commission, not really necessarily fees or salaries for that matter. So, you know, when you're unwinding all of these trips that you've worked so hard to put together, you're not getting paid for it. Like all of that work is effectively like volunteering um, on behalf of your clients. So we just, we had seen just firsthand so many travel advisors who like really went above and beyond on behalf of their clients. And that's just through the window that we have um, into their worlds as, as a supplier. Um, so for the tours we were canceling and the trips we were canceling and that sort of thing. And, and so, you know, we were just kind of really inspired by just like the resiliency and just hard work uh, and loyalty to clients that advisors really kind of um, displayed. Um, so this, this, uh, this idea um, by a guy named Mike on our team, he, you know, to, to kind of have an award show for, for advisors, it really turned into like, well, let's, let's not make it about like performance or sales or who's the best, but let's just really kind of like turn it into a way to honor um, advisors. So we, we basically, the competition was really just collect, uh, collecting stories, stories about, you know, your year and how you rose above kind of show up for your clients. Um, you could mm-hmm. submit a story about another advisor. So maybe it was a colleague or if you could submit a, a, um, a story about yourself. 
Um, and we honestly had really no idea what to expect. We didn't even really classify categories or anything like, thing like that because it was something we'd never done before. It was so open-ended and we weren't even sure what kind of submissions we would get. Um, and, and we basically ended up getting kind of uh, just a remarkable response, like incredible stories. Some of them were just like inspiring. Some of them were heartbreaking. Some of them were funny. Someone even wrote like a super long poem, <laughs> which was actually very witty and, uh, and very well done. I love it. Um, I think, but yeah, so it just turned out, it turned into a, a great event. It was as good for us as it was for the advisors. It was just kind of a, a fun, heartwarming thing to do that was different than the, to the day-to-day. Um, so internally, it was great. And we really just, you know, we didn't benefit an ounce from it, you know, monetarily. We, we got a whole bunch of, uh, of the tour operators we work with um, to donate prizes, free tours. We added in a bunch of bonus commissions. And so, yeah, so it was uh, uh, all in all a, a successful event. It's that that intangible known as goodwill, right? <laughs> yeah, but we I mean we didn't do it for that. It's just kind of No, just, well, just you really you the, did the it culture. from I mean you did it from yeah. goodwill. You did it as a way to just kind of if you will build build your external team, the team of advisors that have been working with you and that sort of thing. So, I think it's goodwill. It's kind of Yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, towards the end of the year we we had honestly kind of, you know, fast forwarded our our, our development and product development cues by probably like two years at this point, um, mm-hmm. we almost kind of run out of projects. We've got, we've got a thing, we've got a list of announcements we need, we, we, we're going to start making for things that have just been sitting on in the announcement queue. Um, it was kind of like, we just gotten so ahead of schedule of building new things. It was like, what, you know, what can we do now? You know, we had time. So it was like, let's, let's, uh, let's do something that kind of benefits everybody. And, and that, that's kind of the result was the award show. So here we are, year end, et cetera. And, and how are you both kind of feeling? You have like some big thought for the future at this point, or are you still kind of in the wait and see mode? Good question. I mean, we, I guess what I was saying earlier, we, we kind of decided in June to almost write the year off. And so it was always like, well, let's see what happens in January. Um, I mean, traditionally, obviously, there's a bit of a bounce, the wave season that comes in. And we... I mean, about three months ago, I guess we were thinking there was always going to be a bit of a bounce in January 21. Um, but a lot of it is probably just hopeful bookings, almost like I'll book this now. Hopefully I'll be able to make it to Italy in, in September or, or July. Right. With the news of the vaccine, it's like, OK, they, the bounce might be a little bit bigger and people might actually make it. So, I mean, we feel there's a shot at a summer season next year. I do too. So that's 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 positive. March is obviously usually a bit of a travel month, so we're still not expecting much there. So we are we are kind of optimistic. The numbers in terms of bookings, I mean, they've been improving month on month, but it's we really want to just caution everything we say that's positive because it's improving, but it's not anywhere where it should be. Right, um, of so we're, we're really just a wait and see for January. Um, that'll be the next benchmark, uh, milestone checkpoint, if you like. And okay. that'll give us a guide for, well, what's the summer going to be? But really, it's like thinking kind of from a strategic point of view, it's like we need to aim to get ourselves the next summer with a limited amount of bookings and we need to plan and make decisions according to that. So it's still mm-hmm. a kind of a another six months, if you like, of improving news, optimistic news, but not like it's anything to write home about. Okay. What do you think, Jeremy? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything Rob said. I think, you know, just from a, I guess, a business perspective. So I guess Rob kind of gave the industry outlook and I think we are optimistic. I think um, from a business perspective, just kind of Project Expedition specifically, I'm super, super optimistic. I feel like this year, in a lot of ways, may actually serve us well in the long run. Um, you know, at the beginning of this year, January, February, had the momentum to just be like an exceptionally record-breaking year. And 
but to be honest, we were, we were stretched. We were trying to hire like, I think three or four more people. We were in final rounds of interviews. We were looking at bigger office spaces. It was just, it was just that we didn't have even five minutes to breathe, much less think about building a shore excursion platform. We've actually just finished developing um, a luxury product, which is being piloted in beta mode with some advisors right now. It's um, so it hasn't been published yet, but it's like, so we were able to do all these cool things, really um, get feedback from advisors, um, enhance a lot of the tools and processes on our site. We added, I don't know what, 4,000 or 5,000 yeah, tours. Rob. Yeah. Yes, wow. we added a tremendous amount of product and tours on our site. So it's kind of like when travel does return, um, we are just like, we are in, if we have a far stronger product, far more depth, far more opportunity, supply, tools, functions it's it's it we're just going to be ready to roll so i think uh internally we're you know and, and our whole teams together so you know travel will have to return at some point of course but when it does we are we're super ready and very very eager to to get back at it with kind of just a better a better business than we we started the pandemic with you know there's that old saying every cloud has a silver lining right yeah. And you've managed to find the silver lining. And I think that you're probably right that it will serve you well in the long run, you know, in terms of your business and your growth and your, and your infrastructure and keep, and now your team feels good. Your team feels tight and it's like, we're ready. Well, I really want to thank you both for being with me today. And um, I look forward to seeing you in the future, meeting you face to face and speaking with you again. So thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me, Linda. Thank you. Bye-bye.